Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey Geekscapists, welcome to a brand new Geekscape podcast. I'm Jonathan London, your host, and if this is your first Geekscape, well, get yourself ready for some pop culture talk, movies, video games, comic books. We've been doing this for a while now, and uh, we're not slowing down yet. Um, This upcoming episode has an interview with my good friend Rob Kuttner. He's got a brand new book out right now for teens. It's kind of a gross-out book in the vein of, like, uh, Garbage Pail Kids, The Toxic Avenger, Boglins, Madballs, all the gross-out fun stuff that we liked as teens it's kind of having a comeback right now and we talk about that in the brand new book and working with uh david DeGrand, who is his artist who on the book and who joins us and um that's coming up for you so this is the audio version of geekscape the video of the interviews up right now on twitch facebook youtube but you guys are in the right spot because i got a lot of great feedback about the audio intro that Heidi and I did for the last episode, uh, because people say, hey, we, we like hearing what's going on in your life. Uh, we like hearing what you think of things like the Barbie movie, which we talked about last episode, um, or what you did with your summer. And <laughs> Heidi and I went on about uh, what we did for, I, I spent three or four weeks at a summer camp teaching drama, and I loved it. And it was so creatively invigorating that now I cannot stop editing which is a problem if i have like three or four minutes free i find old footage i'm like buying hard drives in on amazon and and finding like old geekscape stuff old narrative stuff um i'm just editing like crazy and making stupid little videos uh and they don't necessarily end up like on social media some of them are just things that uh, I think are fun and, and share with friends. Um, but, uh, I've really, really, really been reinvigorated by, by spending the, the summer with a bunch of kids making creative stuff. Uh, but wanted to take the time right now to talk to you guys a little bit about something that kind of snuck up on me as far as creativity goes, cause I'd counted it out. Um, I'm kind of getting back into comics creatively in a way, as far as making them and thinking about, I don't know, strategies and the landscape in comics economically is not great. It's clearly become a proving ground for IP where if you have like a movie idea or a video game idea, you're going to put it out as a comic book because the barrier of entry financially is so much lower. And I love comics. Comics were always like my first narrative love. And uh, I'm really getting into them more and more now kind of because I'm I'm walking around this idea of making a brand new comic book uh and how would I do it how would I pay for it who would put it out 
what would be the point? Am I making it for myself? Which, A, yes, you, you have to check that box every single time or there's no point in doing it. Um, but really, who am I making it for outside of myself? Uh, and maybe some, some close friends who would get a kick out of it. Um, is that reason enough to make it? I think it is. I, I just told you, I, I'm editing this videos that like 30 people will see and laugh at. Uh, and that's kind of something that I think it, it, I'm getting a kick out right now. I'm getting a kick out of right now creatively. But one of the comics, surprisingly, that has got me reinvigorated was a comic book I almost didn't pick up. And it goes back to um, some issues I have right now. now I mean, whatever, if I got issues. Uh, and I don't mean comic book issues, but uh, the the X-Men books. I don't know if you're reading the X-Men books over at Marvel, but uh, I was having some frustration with them. You might remember back in 2019, uh, the X-Men books got relaunched with Jonathan Hickman. Uh, he's a f fantastic writer, and he had this idea to have the X-Men be able to uh, bring themselves back to life. Like there were five kind of like throwaway X-Men characters, one of which could make these little bouncy balls and throw them at you. And these were kind of jokey X-Men. There was like a possible reincarnation of Jean Grey that was one of them. But these five X-Men were kind of floating around. There wasn't a whole lot that, that writers were doing with them. And Jonathan Hickman got a hold of them and said, hey, what if those weren't bouncy balls? What if those were eggs? What if... What if these five X-Men together could use their powers to bring back X-Men who had died and reincarnate them? And what if Cerebro, you guys know Cerebro from the movies if you don't read X-Men. It's like the, the computer that goes out and finds X-Men in mutants using Professor Xavier's powers. What if Cerebro could be used as like uh, a data backup of of the minds and personalities and skill sets and all this stuff of X-Men, but com combining Cerebro with these five X-Men who were cast-offs, who, like, they were just... They, sometimes they'd be in stories, sometimes they weren't. They were, there wasn't much to them. What if uh, these combined could create a regenerative pool of X-Men? It's like if Wolverine dies, you can bring Wolverine back, and he has, like, a knowledge backup to where he, like, right before he went off to this fatal mission and died. And it started out great. Uh, the Jonathan Hickman stuff that started out, uh, there were two miniseries, Summer of 2019, that re established this brand new idea of regenerative X-Men. But not only that, using Moira McTaggart's powers. Moira McTaggart is another character who, does she have powers? Does she not have powers? We established in Powers of X that she does have powers. Her powers are that whenever she dies, <laughs> she goes back to being a baby with the knowledge that she always has. Like she actually regenerates and people didn't think she had mutant powers because she didn't show any, her mutant power only came about when she died. And when she died, she would like rewind to being a baby and hold on to all the knowledge that she had. She, we didn't learn that she had this power until she died. Um, so now you've got the Moira McTaggart who can basically tell Charles Xavier and Magneto and it ultimately apocalypse, like what they're doing wrong in trying to protect mutant kind from the people who fear and hate them, which is like humanity. And what they do is, is I don't know what alternate realities this creates in the Marvel universe. Like maybe Ian and I should go into that. Like, Hey, if Moira McTaggart is going back in time and correcting Charles Xavier's decision to, bring students to the X-Mansion or 
with Magneto established the mutant nation of Genosha or, you know, on and on, or maybe Apocalypse coming back and, you know, actually ruling humanity by force and protecting mutants. Um, she's doing this revision stuff, but like what Marvel universes is that happening in? Is it happening in, in like, is the ultimate modern day X-Men where they get it right? And they establish an island nation on Krakoa, which is what I'm talking about briefly right here. In the comics, they establish their own nation. And Krakoa is a mutant in and of itself, but it's a, it's a, an island. It's from classic X-Men. It was the, the, the base, um, that the X-Men had to go and save the old X-Men on back in classic, uh, X-Men number one, the, the giant size X-Men, uh, that introduced Wolverine and Storm and Colossus. They had to go and, and save the original team on the, island of Krakoa, which is like monster islandish almost um and it creates all these different plants and charles xavier is using the plants to like heal mankind of all these different ailments but you have to be a sovereign nation of you have to be you have to be a, a nation that can communicate with Krakoa and work with Krakoa to save the mutants like in the comic books like russia was like we are not acknowledging Krakoa as a nation we hate mutants and we are not going to send you any mutants um but they could like teleport from Krakoa to different places using these little plants that could create doorways. So it got really sci-fi and it sounds complicated, but it's actually really cool. Uh, ultimately the questions come up like, again, if, if Maura McTaggart is going back and resetting Charles Xavier's plan to protect mutants from humans, but also create a team of X-Men that are also supposed to protect the people who fear and hate them the most. Which version of the Marvel Universe are you resetting? Is this modern one where Krakoa gets it right, where the X-Men become, where the mutants become dominant and are protected through their ability to reincarnate? Is that the same one that had, like, the Kree-Skrull War? It, did that happen in every iteration of the X-Men? Did Days of Future Past, the future that, you know, brought this, you know, it was all about the Sentinels and the death of mutant dumb, does that still happen? in every version um and so you start thinking like okay this is just opening up a bunch of multiverses things to the x-men universe because they keep going back and resetting until they get it right well they get it right and as soon as marvel got these two um x-men books from jonathan hickman that were just awesome if you can if you can go find them go find them um they're from summer 2019 they're definitely collected by now um they started putting out other series and that's where things started kind of slowing down uh, i think jonathan hickman left the book uh the main x-men book was still pretty good uh the kitty pride book about the marauders were was awesome uh x-force was pretty good but you started getting like x-men red you started getting immortal x-men you started getting all these different x-men titles before you know it jonathan has like it seems like 10, 12 X-Men titles on the shelves, which is is just what's going to happen with a comic book company that strikes gold. The X-Men were back, and they were fun to read. They had interesting sci-fi ideas about this whole idea of reincarnation and mutants being on top suddenly and not being hunted, but having their own sovereign nation that is actually an influence in the world. And they even terraformed Mars and created Mars as like its own mutant planet. Uh, there was so much cool stuff that was happening. But it started to get diluted amongst all these other books uh, because ultimately I, I go to the comic store. I want to get the X-Men story that I'm following and I have to get 
nine, ten books to do it every month. I definitely got fatigue, uh, and I started shaving down to just, I think, X-Men, X-Force, Wolverine. I was reading those three. And then suddenly Ian sends a text that says, hey, this next Hellfire Gala book is huge. And the Hellfire Gala is like a yearly annual, basically, that happens in the X-Men books where they name a new core X-Men team. And, you know, it's a fun kind of thing. It, It feels like back in the 90s they had like swimsuit editions of comic books like it's really weird but when the sw- when the sports illustrated swimsuit edition was big i remember it's probably 94 95 there was an x-men swimsuit edition where it was like the x-men characters in swimsuits male and female and uh and it just seemed like a ca- like this kind of like cash grab release where it's like oh you want to see storm in a bikini great uh, drawn by amazing artists like you know Jim Lee, Silvestri, that kind of stuff. And so it's like, okay, I don't know if I'm going to read the Hellfire Gala book because I'll find out who the new X Men team is in the X Men book. And that was where my frustration started coming in. Where I think that like major events should just happen in that core title, the X Men title. The book is called X Men. Like I want to read X Men and find out what's happening with the X Men. But suddenly I had to read a bunch of other titles to find out what was happening to the X-Men. And Hellfire Gala, I was like, well, that just tears it. I don't need to see them in fancy costumes announcing a new team. Boy, was I wrong. (laughs) The first two years of the Hellfire Gala is roughly what I described. Introduction to a new X-Men team. Um, This new one, the whole time that this X-Men stuff has been going on, there's a, a... a group called Orcus, and they're like hardcore humans. They're like, we don't like mutants. We don't want mutants on Earth. We just want humans. We're back. We're backing up humanity, and we want to kill all the, the humans or all the mutants. And they and they are like creating super sentinels. They even uh, one of them even took over Stark Industries and made it made these Stark Sentinels, which is like Tony Stark's technology in the sentinel program these mutant hunting giant robots right and that was you know cool so like in a couple of these books that jonathan was or was not reading including iron man which isn't even an x-men book you're starting to get like the machinations of this group orcus planning something big they're planning something big well it all went down on the third hellfire gala book and thank god the god of mutants whatever god you believe in thank goodness that I picked it up and that Ian texted me because this book is psycho. Um, this is where it all goes down and Orcus finally attacks and they do it by straight up slaughtering the new X-Men team as soon as they're announced. Like they are cutting people in half. This is a really violent book. They also use the book sort of to, um, uh, I would say like shoehorn a little bit more of the Miss Marvel is a mutant stuff that we got in the Miss Marvel Disney plus series where it was like, Oh, Kamala Khan is a mutant. Well, in the comic, they definitely do their best to say, okay, well she, she had an inhuman sort of like experience where, so she is technically an inhuman, but yeah, she was a mutant the whole time and she can be regenerated. She can be regenerated the same way other mutants do. So the book starts with Kamala Khan being regenerated. She died in the, the Spider-Man books. And that was, I thought it was a pretty cool story. It didn't get spoiled for me. It made national headlines that Marvel was going to kill a major character. And it got spoiled for a lot of people, especially if you're on Twitter or something that Kamala Khan, Miss Marvel was going to die. I just probably spoiled it for you right now, but 
listen, if you're reading it, you're reading it. If you're not reading it, you're not reading it. Um, I thought it was a, a really well-written story. Uh, and then here she is getting regenerated just a few months later because, hey, she's got a major movie coming up in November. She better be back. Uh, but she gets returned in the Hellfire Gala. You're like, oh, cool. Everybody's happy. Kamal Khan's back and she's a mutant and maybe she wants to be open about it. Maybe not. And then they're like, hey, let's introduce the new X-Men. And I'm telling you, I'm looking at it right now. There's a full page of Nimrod, who is like a super Sentinel from the future. He's like a Sentinel that I don't know why they don't make more of them. But there's one Nimrod and Nimrod drops in on this new team and splatters them. It is violent. Knocks Jean Grey out the freaking window. Stomps on one of their heads until it pops. It's disgusting. And the only one who survives is Juggernaut because he's the Juggernaut. He was going to be on the X-Men team. And then you've got pages of Nimrod, Juggernaut, and Iceman going like toe-to-toe trying to stop Nimrod. Meanwhile, other people are, are, are fighting. The Bobby Drake Iceman stuff is just violent what happens to, to Iceman in this in these pages. And it seems like every time I I turn a page... It's just an epic moment after epic moment. There's multiple artists that were part of this book uh, because it's a giant-sized book. I think it was like $8.99. Thank goodness I get a freaking discount at my comic book store. Um, and Orcus just straight up takes the X-Men and all of Krakoa apart. And they hold Charles Xavier hostage. And they say, listen, we've all those super plants that you used to like cure humanity's ailments like cancer and and this and that we actually poison them and we can flip a switch modok you remember modok from quantumania modok can flip a switch and cause humanity to go crazy and kill themselves so charles xavier if you don't want humans to kill themselves you're going to take credit for this and you're going to force every mutant to leave the earth and walk through these time travel you know these 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 transport portals and leave the earth and um they're holding humanity hostage orcus wins uh and it is such a downer book <laughs> at the end of it um charles xavier tells all the mutants please walk through the portals go to mars go off planet leave the earth or they're going to start killing humans and the last page is Charles saying, oh my God, I, I can't, like Rogue flies in and saves Charles, uh, gets him away from the bad guys. I mean, at the end of this, Cyclops is kidnapped. Who knows where all these mutants are? Uh, and Charles has sent almost all of the mutants through the gates, except the ones who were able to resist, like Nightcrawler. The core X-Men were able to resist, right? Like they've been trained with their mental capabilities to even resist um, Professor X you know, forcing them to do something they didn't want to do. Um, the music couldn't went through the gates and the last page is Charles saying, I can't sense them. They're gone. Like all the mutants are gone. The mutants went from like the most dominant part of the Marvel universe to erased. And now there's only a core group of X-Men like hiding in the sewers, working with Tony Stark and some other characters uh, to make sure Orcus pays for it. And it's like, and, and like the whole thing is like avenge the X-Men, avenge Krakoa. And it's it's cool because uh, as frustrated as I got with, with the X-Men books for a long time, 
with the pro- just proliferation of titles that he felt like weren't a, a cohesive story. Um, and if they were, if it was a cohesive story, it was far beyond the breadth of my ability to read it. Um, because there's just too many titles for me in my pocketbook. Uh, it feels like it's back. It feels like the X-Men are back to swearing to protect the people who fear and hate them. There, I don't know how many X-Men are left. <laughs> of course, like the, the big ones that you want to save for the MCU movies. Um, and then, uh, we got some X-Men left and, uh, they're gonna work with Captain America and some of the Avengers who are like, we know you didn't do this. We know you didn't make humanity go crazy and start going psycho. You know, we know you didn't poison your own, uh, drugs. And, uh, and now I'm, I'm really into the X-Men books because, uh, there's an, an Avengers X-Men team up book called uncanny Avengers. Um, it should be called, um, what was it? Avengers, uh, avenging X-Men. I think it should have been called, but, um, I think that's a joke that Deadpool says in the, in the title, but, uh, now I'm into it. And I think the X-Men only really work when they're like the persecuted minority. Not that we love persecuted minorities as remaining persecuted minorities. Ideally we want the persecuted minorities to no longer be persecuted minorities. But as far as the X-Men books go, uh, the X-Men story, I think it's an important story to tell uh for anybody who feels other uh and i've had people come up to me and say oh man this krakoa stuff is so good we this is the way the mcu should introduce the x-men it's like the krakoa stuff and i don't agree i I don't agree because in the krakoa stuff to a point the x-men became almost gods to humans they were able to cure them of all sorts of ailments they were able to transport all over the place they could regenerate they could come back to life every single one of them um so they were gods and i don't think that's how you introduce the x-men at all you don't introduce them as dominant you introduce them as the persecuted minority um and the status quo shifted big time on this hellfire gala do i wish it was a core x-men book do i wish it had had been just x-men in happened in the x-men title yeah of course i, I wish it would have at least happened in an x-men annual um, but it happened in like a, a book that I, <laughs> that I equated earlier to the, the swimsuit issue. <laughs> and suddenly like my eyes were popping out reading this thing. I was like, holy shit. They are just straight up killing mutants and the status quo and people are getting ripped apart. This is, this is in, insane. And uh, I think you read stories for the big swings, right? Like you read them for the big moments. And that Hellfire Gala number three was a big moment. And, uh, damn it was crazy uh so if you're not reading the x-men books <laughs> don't start now because everything basically already went down but of course uh the x-men are now minorities and they'll find a way to revamp and bring the x-men back with a brand new thing i think that the talk is like 2024 is going to be this whole fall of x thing where the x-men avenge krakoa and and bring orcus to justice and all that stuff and um and then then i think there's going to be a brand new wave era of the x-men and that's i'll let you know i'll let you know and that's where you want to jump on okay um but unless you're going to go back to the jonathan hickman stuff um powers of x and all that stuff um don't you know don't start now (laughs) because half (laughs) i would say 95 percent of the x-men are fucking dead (laughs) all right let's get to the episode uh it's a great one i really love talking to rob and and david about the creative work and the gross out humor that we loved as teens and uh here it is (laughs) 
Hey, Geekscapists. Well, <laughs> oh man, did I butcher that? <laughs> Hi, Geekscapists. You'd think that I haven't done about a thousand of these Geekscape episodes when I come out of the gates like that. I'm Jonathan London, your host. And if this is also your first Geekscape, because it's clearly mine, we're talking movies, video games, and comic books. If you're watching the video on YouTube or Twitch or on Facebook, maybe you're watching it on LinkedIn. Did you know that it went to LinkedIn? Um, it also goes to Twitter. I, I refuse to call it X. Uh, somebody today was like, I saw this on X, and it literally took me about 30 seconds to realize what he was talking about. And he was talking about Twitter. And I said, no, dude, like, I'm never, go I'm always going to call it Twitter until it burns to the ground. X will be known as Twitter, at least in my household of two people. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely, when I, in my, any conversation I'm in, uh, this is Geekscape, and uh, if you're watching the video, I've got a pretty good interview coming up with my good friends David DeGrand and Rob Cutner, who's been on the show before. Rob was on episode 500. I remember that one because it was 500. Pretty easy to remember one of those solid whole numbers. Um, and they've got a brand new book called Snot Goblins. They're here to talk to you. And um, yeah, if you're listening on the audio, well, you just got a whole bunch of exclusive content that I talked about just now as I started the show. Um, we can't wait to talk to Rob and get him back on the show, see what he's been up to uh, since he was last on and find out what David's all about. This is David's first time on the podcast. Uh, cool guys though. Super cool. I love Rob. He came up to me at Comic-Con and I said, Hey man, I got this new project called Snot Goblins. If you're a fan of things like, I would say it's comparable to like, if you're like teen gross out stuff, like when we were teenagers and we loved Garbage Pail Kids, or maybe we liked Mad Balls and stuff like that, or Toxic Avenger, you know, really gross out cool teen stuff. And with, uh, you know, got to start thinking about the holidays and giving gifts, maybe the teenagers in your life. And I think Snot Goblins might be the right uh, gift for them. It's it's a book. It's a comic. It's like a graphic novel. I kind of love the publisher. We'll talk about that. But um, let's just get to it. This is Geekscape. You're here. Strap yourselves in for some comic talk. I survived a hurricane. I don't know if y'all have been keeping up with the news, but uh, Tropical Storm Whitney is kind of what everybody in North Southern California has been talking about. And we braced for it. Did we brace for it? No, I mean, I don't know. But uh, we got more water. He Heidi's into that stuff. Heidi's like, we got to go to the store. We got to get this. We got to get that. We got to make sure that we have enough of this. Um, I cut that number in half and that's what I go out and get. So that'll probably be the death of me one day. But uh, if anybody needs jugs of water, I got some. Um, Somewhere in the shift, though, in from like rainy to sunny and back and forth within 24 hours, I think I caught my own little snot goblin. You know, some kind of allergy or something happened with the shift in the atmosphere that's going on here because of Tropical Storm Whitney. But I'm not going to go ahead and 
complain too much about getting rain here in Southern California, especially not in light of what happened in Maui. That's a true tra- tragedy. And I welcome and, and urge all Geekscapists that have uh, some money they can put towards charity to research some of those Maui charities and put their money towards the rescue efforts there. Uh, all right, let's get unserious here on Geekscape. I've got two good friends waiting here to talk about their new book, Snot Goblins. Um, I have a PDF of it that I read, but I want, I actually want the book. I want to have the physical book and I'm excited to have it, uh, very soon. Um, because I like this gross out humor stuff from when I was a kid, again, stuff like garbage pail kids. Those are the ones I'm going to go to garbage pail kids, toxic Avenger boglins. Remember boglins, those little things you put your hand in and the little boglins, um, and mad balls. Of course, those are like the ones where you like, they're, they're gross and you'd like gross out the girls on the playground, uh, in college, <laughs> in high, in, I was about to say high school, in like middle school. It's like, you know, but they got this new book, Snot Goblins, kind of what it is. And let me bring them on the show. Uh, let's see if Robert's ready to come on. He ducked out of frame. All right, Rob, come back on Geekscape. There's Rob Cutner. I'm back. <laughs> There's David DeGrand. Hello. Uh, you're back on Geekscape, Rob. And uh, you've been busy, dude. This uh, Snot Goblins book, it's a lot of work. I mean, not that, you know, David did a lot of the art and you wrote it, but like, uh, <laughs> You know, you've been busy. I I caught up to you at uh, Comic Con. You came up to me after the after the panel, like, "Hey, do you remember me?" Of course, I remember you, Rob. Are you kidding me? You were like, "Hey, remember you?" I was on Geekscape. Come on. <laughs> I liked it. Well, you, you've had a lot of Geekscapes. I mean, what, mm-hmm. I know whenever yeah, we up to almost. 700. I don't do anything else. I don't do anything else. <laughs> That's the thing, Rob. Like, if I, that, this is all I do, I don't leave this room. Mm-mm. And so is this, is this you come a up and say, service kind of thing. Yeah, <laughs> please help help me. I'm blinking. This is jail cell. <laughs> help me, please. Um, no, you came up and said, "Hey, do you remember Rob Cutner?" Of course, I immediately. Uh, and then you handed me the uh, bookmark for for Stock Goblins, and we're like, "I have this book," and I was like, "Yeah, no, anything you want to promote on Geekscape, you have carte blanche right there." And um, you're hilarious, and Geekscape is he's written all sorts of hilarious stuff. Conan being one of them, um, all sorts of comics and cartoons. We all love the Teen Titan stuff. Um, and here you are with your new book, Snot Goblins, and you brought David, your artist, along for the ride. Um, <laughs> where did this idea come from, guys? Is this Rob's idea, David's idea? You guys, yeah. how, did you, how did you all meet over the project? Or yeah. like, tell me about how this came, came about. Well, first of all, David gets credit for the bookmark because it was his idea and his, his <laughs> designs caught your eye. His, caught your well, eye. Thank hopefully, you, thank hopefully, you. Hopefully, hopefully caught your stomach too at the time. Yeah, they're scattered all over the par- uh, parking lots, you know, and, and <laughs> recycle bins and everywhere. <laughs> well, I was going to say David and I met uh, working on the reboot of Mad Magazine, where we he yeah. cartooned and I drew and we collabed together. And, and but David really came up with the idea. If you want to talk about that, David, because you brought it to me. Sorry, you could have a little bit of a uh, streaming issue with David. I don't know if the, the Geekscape is watching this or getting it, but Dave. My question is caught him off guard and he froze. It's fine. Hey, you, you sent him into the fucking multiverse with that question. Uh, David, if you want to reconnect, if you're even hearing this, if you want to reconnect and get back, let us know. I hope he's not on that damn infernal iPad. Like he told me, he's like, would the iPad be good for this? I said, no, no, no. No iPads on Geekscape. And he said, okay, cool. cool. What a lot of interesting backstory we've talked about. I know. Uh, I mean, well, well, I can go ahead and talk until David. Yeah, while David's frozen in the the negative zone, (laughs) why don't you talk? Yeah. (laughs) Why don't you talk about uh, putting the book together? 
Um, this is cool. This has been a really like power move. I think we've I've, I've picked up a lot here. Just you and me. Like, all you had to do was send a virus to David, and the show's all yours. Right. Um, uh, as David would have said, I'm going to do it in his voice now. As David would have said, um, he's a huge horror fanatic, and um, and I know that David's in demand and sort of like the kids' world. He's done a bunch of kids' books and stuff like that, and he had people coming to him saying like, "Do you want to do like an anthology of like little you know short kid stories?" David's like, yeah, and I want to do like horror stories. And so um, we found very quickly when we worked at Mad Magazine that we're kind of on the same, we're in the same sophomoric level of, of sensibility. Like we have a good vibe together. David almost told almost the whole story. Okay, yeah, man. I'm sorry, my freaking internet here in it's, Texas. It's like, when, uh, yeah, I mean, listen, they have they have blackouts, and that's what you get yeah, when you're on your own right. electrical grid. It's like, uh, so, David, freedom, freedom is what uh, you get. <laughs> when you're governor, thanks, man. When you uh, when you're talking about uh, being a horror fan, right, David? That's what. Mm-hmm. You, oh yeah. And, totally. and you think about like the idea of snot goblins, where it influences things like ghoulies and critters, yeah, like and course, like, like those uh, yeah. munchies. Is there a munchies yeah, influence munchies, in there? And all those, yeah, of course, gremlins and like all those little like eighties rubber monster, you know, uh, movies. And like you said at the beginning, like Boglins, Madballs, Garbage Pill Kids, yeah, all that stuff. It's like those are all cool gateways to like weird underground exploitation movies for kids that, that I was always drawn to. Uh, I think you're and, right. Like yeah. something like Munch, like Gremlins was the one that obviously got it. Going. They got the ball but rolling. Yeah. From there, we're all into critters. As kids, uh-huh. if you have if you have a parallel childhood to me, and then from critters, yeah, you start getting like the more like TNA type stuff. <laughs> like you're just like, yeah. oh, these are a little more risque. Where it's yeah. like munchies, munchies. The cover of munchies when you walk into the VHS store is like a little gremlin looking <laughs> thing looking up a girl's skirt. Do I have this right? Yeah, they, they, that's correct. And, and oh, Ghoulies has like the, the fucker coming out of the toilet. toilet. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like yeah. So uh, and so that's is, like a gateway for sure. I mean, yeah. How could I not want to watch that movie? Yeah. <laughs> no, this is all this is yeah. all a uh, heavy influence. But then, of yeah. course, you use that stuff to like gross the girl out on the playground, like we said, you know, or like tell your friends, like, right. oh, I, you know, you push the envelope. Oh, I saw this movie. My 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 dad let me see it. My uncle let me see it. I, I got to to watch yeah. a bit of this this gross movie. Those were all big influences for you, Dave. Yeah, yeah, I remember watching like having cable. I got probably we got cable when I was like probably about ten years old or so, and so I was constantly scanning through the movie channels, finding all those weird, crazy movies, and like probably shouldn't have been watching them. Cinemax, but yeah, and then like in the one of the thing that the movie scene that I remember I think first warped me early on was the the large Marge scene in Pee Wee's Big Adventure because I remember it horrified me, but it was also funny, and so something like that just like you know connected some synapses in my brain. It was like, Oh, I want to create something that gives that reaction. So I think from that scene on, thank you to Paul Rubens, RIP, you know, for sure. Um, but uh, yeah. And then, you know, then I was, you know, big into like the Ren and Stimpy show is another huge uh, gigantic influence as well. It's just like, cause it was just like, cause I know my, my dad hated it and that made me love it even more. And, you know, I think it's a big part of Slot Goblins. We wanted parents to be like, put that effing book down. But the kids would be like, no, no, I'm going to read it, Dad. <laughs> and and yeah. kids love this stuff. They they love the gross But I, I think books like uh, Dogman, like, mm-hmm. like bizarre, like just bizarre stuff. Dogman, yeah. Captain Underpants. I mean, somebody running around in their underpants, like that's big with kids and he's got oh, yeah. superpowers. Like the more absurd, I think – the better it would you say that this is in that lane with that kind of book is that if, if a kid is into snot goblins 
uh, or if a kid is in those, those kind of books that are comic book ish, maybe have a little bit of prose, but yours is very comic heavy. Do you think that that's like, mm-hmm. if my kid is into, you know, that kind of thing, this would be a, a, a good book for them come Christmas oh, yeah. or come Both birthday. my kids, I have two kids and they're both like into their Captain Underpants and Dogman. They're two totally completely yeah. different personalities. Couldn't be more different. But both of them went through a period of like being really into like both of those books, like and like right. multiple rereads. And and I think it is kind of some of the um, you said absurd, but I think kind of what it is, is like it just rides up to the edge of like the inappropriate, you know, like mm-hmm. underpants yeah. is like, right. You know, if we said wreck Captain Rectum, I don't think that would, <laughs> I think that would fly. <laughs> or um, you, you, you can't know, even say that. On, you can't say that on Geekscape. No, I'm kidding. But even even Dogman is like sounds kind of innocuous, but, you know, every single time you read it, it has the backstory where it's like literally like this dog's head is like surgically sewn into a guy. That is that's pretty <laughs> effed up. I mean, for kids. Like, like, yeah. So it's it's right on that edge, I think. But I think more it's, it is kind of that kind of like very kid centered humor, I think, like a kid's perspective on things, which David and I yeah. are both both man children and we, we just oh totally channel it <laughs> yeah and something that's funny is about when it comes to you know the bizarre and cre- like when we we did a promotion where we had kids submit like the grossest thing they could think of and then i would illustrate it for 30 days up until the release of the book and kids came up with most disturbing insane things you know that i could ever come up with in a million lifetimes so it's like what was the most know. disturbing <laughs> The one for me was like, um, it was a little, I think nine-year-old girl came up with like a series of like corpses vomiting up another corpse and each corpse that's vomited out is more disgusting than the one before it. Like, can I present on this? Cause I can show you, I have, a um, I don't think you can, but, but if oh. you want to put a, a, if you want to put a, like, <laughs> you know what, email it to me. Email it to me, Rob, and uh, I think they're on the website. Like, or, or so put a, put a link in put a link in the in the private chat, and I'll and I'll bring it up because cool. Geekscapists who are watching this on video, you're going to want to see whatever the heck David <laughs> is, uh, or Rob are yeah. talking about. And so it was your idea, though, correct, David? Mm-hmm. The, the the whole snot goblins thing. Like, like when did this mm-hmm. start? The oh, I th- think like, like I was just trying to yeah. yeah, like when Mad Magazine stopped publishing new material. It was around the same time where I was, I was doing, I was an artist and writer on the SpongeBob comic book and they stopped publishing as well. So I was just trying to get something up and going. And, you know, I knew Rob's work. I was, loved it. I thought it was hilarious. And um, I think we met through somehow on Facebook or something. I don't remember now, but I was just like, man, I would love to, you know, I was just like, hey, let's just throw out any crazy idea I got with him. I was like, let's just work on a book together. And, and I always kind of loved uh, like anthology, kind of like, I always thought of this book as like a Tales from the Crypt, but for kids kind of mm-hmm. anthology, like old EC comics combined with like, yeah, Captain Underpants or Diary of a Wimpy Kid or something like that. So, yeah, what I like about it is when Rob told it to me, uh, and again, Rob, feel free to email that or put a link in the, the private chat and I'll throw it up on the on the screen. There's so much disturbing from this. Picture. My head's already <laughs> It's all good. Um, when Rob told me about the book, I was like, okay, it's called Snot Goblins. Okay, that's the book. But then when I, I saw the book, when you guys sent me the preview, um, I was pretty amazed at the fact that it was exactly like you said. Like, it reminded me of like a, like Shel Silverstein ish, how he has like mm-hmm. multiple stories within a book because it's not technically called Snot, Go- Snot Goblins. The book is Snot Goblins and Other Tasteless Tales. So if you get this for your kid, there are a bunch of different stories. The snot goblin story being one of them, which is just, it's just front and center. That what I love about it is it's, it's equal parts adult swim and <laughs> just like 
mid 70s 60s like zine comics you know what i mean like it just mm, reminds yeah, me yeah. of like our crumb type stuff or eight ball but for kids you know what i mean and mm-hmm. i'm sure that both our crumb and eight ball and that stuff dan klaus were influences for you guys um if not yeah. correct me but like this oh, is what sure. it reminds me of is like a gateway drug to maybe some of those more alternative comic artists that you know were still pretty influential oh when from you your lips about, Jonathan, you know, yeah, from your lips back. man <laughs> yeah <laughs> Well, that was kind of the goal for me. Yeah. It's always like, you know, I would love, you know, just like the stuff that I was inspired by. I'd love for kids to, to, you know, look, look at this book and be like, man, what is, you know, what are some of the influences on this book and what else can I go look up and, you know, let this be a gateway to other cool, you know, underground weird stuff, you know, that weirdos like me are drawn to. (laughs) You notice also like, um, like this character, Big Mouth that you've passed a couple of like the Crypt Keeper, Mm -hmm. like the sort of storyteller. He, sw- mm-hmm. he swallows up sort of famous books that we David and I like, and he chews them up and spits them out his own way. So you'll see the titles on there. So like the kids who are paying attention, they'll see like everything from like Nosferatu to like Snow Crash to like, you know, like all the kind of books that we've absorbed. Like the kids can like, if they want to go further into it, they can say, oh, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. I want to check that book out. As they get older. Yeah. Or now, and it just bends their brain. No. Yeah. Right. Exactly. We're <laughs> yeah. not so, ready for it yet. <laughs> so, because you guys each came to it with your own stories, and you guys were kind of jamming, like, hey, what if there was a story that was a vampire? What if there was a story that was based on, like you said, Snow Crash? Like, you did. You, who took the reins on each individual story, or at that point, did it become actually both of y'all working as a cohesive like pair? It seems like. We just like spitballed. We each just spitballed like about ten ideas to each other, and then we would filter out, you know, uh, which ones we thought would, you know, would be funnier, you know, just would fit into the book better. Um, it's been like what three years ago now since so we first got this going. So it's hard to think back, like <laughs> so long ago now. But uh, but yeah, this I think we were just this like is like your pandemic project. Every yeah yeah, it, it sort of started before it, but it lasted through it. I think you know, right? Someone's it did yeah. It. I remember Hello, yeah. I was, I was going to say, unlike, unlike a lot of relationships. <laughs> I have yeah. a great example of like, like our collaboration at the at, at its most uh, weird was um, David's idea for the second story was called The Vampire. So it was it was a vampire and he didn't like biting people. So he would hit him with a mallet and then lick the blood off the mallet. And <laughs> like the, 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 the act of sinking teeth into something was too gross. Right. Yeah. Right. It was just like the... So, so I don't know if David, but I probably not even told you this before, but um, so I, I thought that was hilarious. And uh, we both liked that. And he wrote some art for it and the proposal that we sold. And then when I sat down to work with it, I was like, I'm not sure there's enough of a story here. I'm not sure there's like, you know, it had to be like 42 pages, something like that. You just wonder, <laughs> David. So yeah. but the funny thing is like about influences, I was also reading, um, you know, Will Eisner at the time. So um, Will Eisner has this great, uh, this great uh, little, I guess, novella, graphic novella called Dropsy Avenue which is about like, um, I don't know if you know it, David, but it's like the, um, no. the it's sort of like the immigrant, uh, the American immigrant experience all takes place in this one apartment, I think in like the Bronx, like over. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. It's kind of amazing. Yeah. And so, oh, so man. I'm, so that was just in my head. And I was like thinking about well, what happens to the vampire who's like, um, who just doesn't want to do what his traditional vampires do. And then I sort of, my brain kind of connected that to like, what about like the old world and the new world? And like, you know, someone coming to America yeah. at the turn of the century mm-hmm. and like reinventing themselves and, and it like mm-hmm. went way into that direction. The strange thing, uh, but it was still kind of the same idea about the vampire who didn't fit in. Yeah. But then it just like intersected with like early American immigrant history. So like that's like David had this very visual, like hilarious thing, and then I had this like weird, nerdy, you know, cerebral thing. Actually, and together they, and they kind of came up together as like a different thing entirely. 
And that's and now great, we have this. Yeah, now we have a vampire who like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's the second yeah. story about the um about yeah. the uh, vamp- it's called the vampire the, who the bleeding uh, hard vampire where he's yeah he he doesn't he just still doesn't like to bite people so he has to invent new creative ways to get blood out of people and so that's he his, works with Thomas Edison to create the refrigerator so they can keep blood from blood banks yeah. like <laughs> yeah, yeah. he can he can take a little off the top and so it, yeah. it's completely like twisted history but um and we were still able to get pretty gory with it kind of towards the end of the story without you know. Uh, so do a fight with Bonnie, Bonnie and Clyde get into a shootout with them and stuff like right. that. <laughs> was there yeah. anything that didn't make the book? Was there anything that you were like, eh, it might be too like silly? Maybe I think that was like... the most extreme story that we were able to like, <laughs> I can't even remember now, like what the other ideas were now. We'll have to go through our archives and uh, see what we can polish off for the inevitable sequel to Snug Out Ones. Which... <laughs> yeah, whatever we can kind of like, yeah, the second place, yeah. the leftovers. <laughs> well, the book has been right. out. The book, the book's been out, what, just a few weeks now. Uh, yeah just since like yeah just almost a month yeah and how is it doing Uh, yeah (laughs) wait wait what books they don't tell you until like six months out they give you numbers and stuff like that i mean what'd you just say you said six months out that's you know the publishers give you like their numbers like when they give you like the quarterly or like i think half monthly statements for your royalties yeah Yeah, it's pretty it's pretty um non-transparent but i will say that when they Okay. I was going to ask, like, what about like downloads or, you know, doesn't Amazon right. have like some kind of a, an ordering chart or something like if people are yeah. buying this See, stuff off we of have Amazon. the sales rank, the sales rank is kind of confusing because it's, it's like, that's it's just pretty, relative to everyone else. Like, you don't Yeah, know, like, it's pretty arbitrary, that. it seems like. So it's kind of, it's, it's, it's kind of our only metric though to look at, you know, on a daily basis. It's not like we were obsessed with looking at it or anything. So. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> I have mine open right now. I will say <laughs> where, that when we don't. Where are you at? <laughs> uh, Give us an update. I'm not, I'm not going to get the numbers here. <laughs> it's it's sold a few hundred at least. And, and I know that when David and I go out in public, the events like kids snap it up. Like that's, yeah. I, I will say yeah. that response we can say is like very measurable. Like, like mm-hmm. kids we don't know, like not our friends, kids come up and like we hand it to them and they start like disappearing into it. And like, it sells better at public events than I would ever thought. Like, like my comic book shrinkage yeah. sold before. Yeah, like, it's been pretty, you get pretty some cool. kind of weirdos. My adult one, like, see the reaction to it. David, I'm sure you've had, different kinds of experiences but this one like you know kids buy it up in you know in good amounts when they're when you're at an event do they want their parents to see them buy it is it almost like (laughs) i mean it's almost like a dare right like i'm gonna find the grossest (laughs) book on the shelf don't you think that there's a psychology to it like what y'all are doing that's actually pretty smart like that goes back to the garbage pails kids and, and that kind of stuff where it's like i'm gonna ask for something gross and I'm going to test the limits of what my parents will acceptably get me. And with something like a like a school book fair, where kids want to go and they maybe they have like you know a couple dollars or they have their allowance and they're going to get the one thing that they can afford, right? Um, don't you think that's an opportunity for them to kind of test the the limit there in front of their parents and see like what they can get away with? You guys are kind of like a gateway drug to that kind of behavior. Delinquency. I don't want to accuse you of delinquency. I, I I certainly hope so. I think that is kind of like the, the little narrow window where you know, which is it's tricky because nowadays the gate there's so many like gatekeepers, like you know, parents and educators and stuff like that who are like, well, I don't know if this is good for kids, but that's when we if we hope we can get it out to kids so they can kind of grab on it themselves. And then yeah, like you said, like like maybe it'll be like a kid who didn't wasn't planning to get a book. They're like, oh, this looks like a cool, crazy, disgusting thing. So it's not like a nerdy book. It's like a you know. It's a it's a pictorial thing that will horrify my parents. So I think that is kind of like the you know the goal of it. But you know a lot of parents are cool nowadays too. That's that's the problem, unfortunately. 
That's the, that's the problem. Right. I feel if like you've been buy- part of that. You've probably helped with that. You've probably made a lot of appearance cooler with your, with your pocket. <laughs> no, I, I think that it's a, a great idea. And I think that there's a place for it. You know what I mean? Like, I think there's a place for a book like this. Cause I mean, I don't think we turn out so bad with the Boglins and the mad balls and stuff like that. Like, <laughs> like you know, remember like that castle gray skull when it would have like the goo that you could put out, you know, so many like, Oh yeah. Yeah. So yeah. many toys back in the day had ooze as part of them, you know, and like squirt guns and stuff like that, that are, that are designed to kind of be offensive in a sense. And like, I think, you I know, think David's frozen again. Are you frozen, David? David might just be really, really bored with the conversation. You know, I think uh, I think we. I think David's David, house David is permanent. <laughs> <laughs> David's in Texas. If I see David moving, I'll add him back to the show. But David has to prove to us he's alive first. Um, um, no, I think you're. I think you're right. We grew up with that stuff, and honestly, like if you go on YouTube, like slime making is like a huge. Uh, yes. Thing. What is up with the kids in the slime? You, you sound just fairly disapproving, but. No, uh, I mean, kids love that stuff because no, my worry is that like it's just going to get man. like everywhere. But like kids love slime. It's become right. like a a full thing. Like you said, like kids learn how to make that stuff online. Not only that, but like um, so uh, I'll just well, Dave and I uh, have partnered up with a uh, here in Southern California, a company called Rock and Slime, who's a slime party thing. And so we're like we're joining forces to create like a, a snot slime party birthday party experience that has like slime making and like stuff like games th- uh, from the kids and we're, we're we're actually demoing this like next month at a party you come okay let's say i order that thing for my kid do i gotta put like plastic sheets on everything like tell me how this works like i order the slime party for my kid what what shows up at my door because it doesn't sound like a dude in a darth vader outfit or, like <laughs> you know sing songs yeah. like it doesn't it's not like a princess <laughs> you, need that you get for your daughter they um they come to your I think they do it you know they do it in backyards or if you're at a park wherever it is and they have a whole thing they've been doing this for a while like they um I don't know if they do tarps or not but like they all like it's all like you know it's not uh, it's all cleanable stuff you know it's not um staining stuff but they come and they have a whole package where they they bring their slimes they show you how to make it you can mix and match them you put like you know figurines in them and stuff like that and um it's a whole thing and like they're booked every weekend because everybody wants a piece of that so we thought you know i reached out to them because i saw what they were doing i was like seems like we're you know we're simpatico here so we're going to try it out and see like we can you know create sort of a kind of a theme party where you do that and also you're you're playing games like like um uh we have a game called like sort of the floor is lava but it's like the floor is disgusting and it's Mm -hmm. like um david's gonna david makes pictures of like poop and vomit all stuff like the kids are trying to avoid stepping on that so all the things that we love in the book in his style combined with slime is, you know, immersive so disgustingness, I call it. So it's almost like um, a twister, but if you, yeah, yeah. You land yeah. on a different picture and there you go. And then, um, and, and then I've developed over a couple of public events. I've created some recipes for, um, I call disgusting delicacies. So um, one of them, this is like, you know, homemade food, but it has like a, it pretends to be gross. So like one of them is like, I call it lemon bars, like P-H-L-E-G-M. They're like mm-hmm. uh, lemon bars with green food colorings. They look yellow, green, snot color. Or I'm shaking crispies. my head, but people are going to want these. Right? Right? I'm exactly. Sh- sh- I mean, I'm shaking my head. Like, there's no way that anything that's going near my face, but it, absolutely. Kids, kids want to do it. They're going to yeah. want to push the envelopes. Like, kids are establishing who they are in this world, and they're going to want to push the envelopes with this stuff. Um, right. Rob. How much can you tell me about this Marvel project you've got? You, uh, Scott Lang, <laughs> is it a comic book? Is it a graphic novel? Like, what's the Scott Lang project? Oh, the Scott Lang. Marvel? So, um, 
So if if your uh, if your audience remembers if they saw Ant Man and the Wasp three Quantumania, mm-hmm. um, the the very beginning, so Scott Lang is retired after the Infinity Saga from um, superheroing, and now he's written his memoir, and he's like a celebrity book author, and he's like going around touring, and like that's actually you know kind of part of the friction at the beginning where his daughter Cassie, uh, aka Stinger, says, uh, you know, you've lost your hero, touch dad, you don't care about helping people anymore, and that sort of comes the part of the movie so um so marvel uh decided to to release that as an actual book uh written as scott lang and so they hired me as the ghostwriter for it so it's a so prose like, book it is a full like full full of words uh, uh prose book as if it was the book he was reading written by scott lang it's not a comic at all it's no no i'm no, gonna have to work like for the book. laughs on this one yeah okay yeah you could say that you could say that that sounds great do you, i mean wait the, when okay Geekscape is Christian Blatt brought this to my attention. He said, can you ask Rob about the Scott Lang book? And I, I was like, absolutely. I just thought because it's Marvel and it's Scott Lang, Ant-Man, that it was going to be a comic. The fact that it's a prose book and not just that, but the book from Quantumania, that's pretty funny. It's pretty cool. Like it was basically like uh, the, the, the in-universe rationale for it is that the Avengers, you know, so it's interesting, like the, um, the, all of us on the screen saw what happened and like the Infinity Saga stuff, but it's not clear that the general public, you know, of, you know, Earth 616 or whatever, like knew exactly what was happening. So, um, you know, what all these things and all the backstory to it and like all the sort of ins and outs, like they just started of things blowing up. <laughs> the sky right. is dark with clouds again. You know, right. Was going right. On. So, um, so they wanted, so the idea is the Avengers wanted sort of their, their chronicle, a chronicle of what it all had happened, the whole story. And they sort of tapped Scott Lang to do it because he's kind of the everyman Avenger. He's kind of one foot in that world, one foot out of it. So he can kind of like communicate to people. Um, so it's a bit of that. It's him telling his perspective on those things and also what he was told by everybody else. He's like the chronicler. And then also it's like him being like, you know, single dad, a divorcee, next con, like what his life was like. And like there's some there's some like life advice. There's some like very, very like inspiring, like, you know, self-help stuff about like my life. And then there's a lot of Scott Lang jokes, you know, as well. Like but the quips. he missed most of the stuff because he was in the blip, wasn't he? Like he was in the quantum realm during the blip. Yes, he was. He missed. Yeah. So he missed that part. So um, so he picks up the story from everybody else. From um, when the rat saved him. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He the, whole, the whole book is, is thanks to the rat. <laughs> and you called Cassie Ling Stinger. It's not stature. It's I think it's stature in the comics and they're going with okay. Stinger in the movies. But I might, I might be wrong. No, no, that. it's fine. Don't 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 well, call me on that one. What'd you put in the book? I'm uh, so, kidding. So the, <laughs> no, no. So the thing with the the thing with the book is that um, it takes place before Ant Man three because right because he's reading it. Mm-hmm. See, so so she doesn't really become any kind. She doesn't really level up. And well, I don't want to spoil anything, but sure, you, sure. You knew that. You know it was going that way. Yeah. So um, she doesn't really assume any kind of superhero person persona until that movie. That's cool, man. I didn't know it was a prose book. That, that sounds great. I know. I know. Like a ton of people are going to actually think that's cool. Not just as like a story in a book and your, your writing is really fun and, and I'm sure it's a good book, but it's also a piece of merchandise. Like it's almost like a yeah, piece of merch it's from, from the, the universe. Movie. Yeah. It's, it's from the universe. And when I have one more cool detail that I can drop about that, that's probably sure. about all I'm allowed to say uh, sure. right now. Before but the um, Marvel lawyers swoop in. Yeah. <laughs> they've already swooped in. Yeah. <laughs> they've come in with a, with shield and um, sure. uh, so what I can say is that in the acknowledgement, so, so it puts Scott Lang's name on the cover and then, and then I'm sort of on the inside cover, the inside title page as the, um, 
like the like with Rob Cutler as they do with mm-hmm. Coach Fighters. And then in the acknowledgments, Scott Lang thanks me for being his writing coach, which means technically, Jonathan, I am <laughs> in the MCU. The MC- you're I'm absolutely the MCU. MCU. You are absolutely in the MCU. You probably taught him how to punch Kang out. Like you did. Um, I mean, you, know, you probably, well, you know, yes, who knows? That's, I'm all about the, all the fisticuffs. That's kind of my, <laughs> this is the second book. <laughs> one all thing right. you know about me. Uh, speaking, <laughs> of people, speaking of people, you, you've knocked out multiple times. Uh, maybe David in this interview, you've knocked out of the, the interview several times in this conversation. I think David is back. I can, I, I, the state of Texas isn't going to keep him from connecting to the internet. Uh, is to, he trying to, to get in? No, no. Yeah. Here's the thing: I could draw, I can see David when he's in the wings, waiting to come back, and I just need him to move. Last time, David, you just <laughs> we didn't know if you were frozen or just fucking oh. bored. <laughs> you were just bored out of your mind. Yeah. I generally just sit here staring. I mean, even you know if I'm excited, so I I'll like, try to do better about. If David dies in the course of this conversation, we won't know for another twenty minutes. My family probably won't know either. They're just like, like oh, okay, whatever. This is like well, the most boring final say, destination. Until I start to smell bad, but that's you know par for the course. Also, so, <laughs> that's on brand. Right? Yeah, exactly. It's like this. The whole book was just inspired by my life. You know, who, who just, are actually uh, some of your inspirations, David? Like when you think about your art, um, when where do when did oh, you man. start drawing? And like we were talking earlier about kids and wanting to push the envelopes and gross out this and that. Was that part yeah. of your art style from the beginning? Was being kind of a bit of a, of a mini provocateur right there with some gross out pictures and stuff? Yeah, no, actually, not really. I first started uh, trying to imitate Jim Davis's style. I was a big Garfield fan as a kid, and when I started drawing uh, comic strips. I wanted to draw like him. And then it was the combination of seeing mad magazine. It was, I remember the first issue I saw, it was the uh, summer of 89 when the, when Bat, the Batman, Tim Burton's Batman came out, there was Alfred E. Newman as Batman on the, on the cover of mad. And that was just like blew my mind for some reason. It was just like, well, they're making fun of Batman. Oh my God. How could, how, how could they do such a thing? They must have some stones to be going. Yeah, right. yeah. And little do they know that they're both owned by the same company yeah. and it's all, it's all synergistic, but uh, yeah, no, it's a very famous cover. I remember yeah. absolutely picking that up and you had to vote. Like, are you a cracked guy? Are you a mad kid? Are you a mad kid or a cracked kid? Like, do you did yeah. you ever do that? Where you're like, but but cracked right. did the horror stuff that I liked. The cracked was like yeah. we're doing the Freddy and Jason issues, and I was yeah, really into I, that. I always I always gravitated towards Mad first because Cracked always in my mind they were both good. Looking at them now, but like at the time I was just like Cracked is just the cheap imitation. But um, sure. looking at it later, I was like, oh, Cracked has some really good stuff, and a lot of the same Mad artists were on the, on both of them. So. Uh, um, so yeah, so after I started drawing like Jim Davis, it was the combination of yeah, like I see Mad Magazine and like all the like Sergio and Al Jaffe and um, and Tom Bunk who did this famous comic strip called The Zit, where it's like this this guy popping his pimple and it's like his entire innards <laughs> are f- spewing out. You know that, and then then, then the Ren and Stimpy show is when that was it. I'm like I'm gonna be you know gross and weird and. You know, then I discovered underground comics. You know, R Chrome. You know, all the Zap comics, and then mm-hmm. yeah, that whole. Yeah, that whole world, and I was like, I'm not going to draw cutesy Jim Davis until I get paid to do it later, which I actually actually worked on the Boom Studios Garfield comic uh, a few years ago. That's like, awesome. It, enough, so. Does it make you feel good that I feel this is what I've been witnessing that like Gen Z is discovering Garfield and it's becoming like an icon for them? We're like, yeah. hey, I don't give a fuck. I'm Garfield, kind of thing. Like Garfield is almost like this alternative, like yeah, it's a symbol weird. for them. 
it's a weird like kind of thing because it's Garfield used to be kind of like the punchline for like oh how lame newspaper comics are kind of, oh it's you know he's just a fat cat that eats Mondays that's hilarious but mm-hmm. then it became like yeah kind of like to, to like it ironically and now I think people genuinely like it now I'm not sure if it's around the corner to <laughs> or not or what but yeah it's it does have an odd cult following with the I've just noticed it on social media that people that are 20 years younger than me are starting to post Garfield stuff. And I can't imagine Garfield yeah. was that big of a deal I in their childhoods mean, because adult swim, adult swim really was the sale, like end all of like, right. You know, the influence in, in animation for those kids is the adult swim stuff. The, mm-hmm. the, the Nick, the Nickelodeon stuff, all that stuff is stuff that I'm a little too old for, but I liked what cat yeah. dog. I thought cat dog was f- amazing. Um, but yeah. the gross out stuff that adult swim was big on. And obviously like Ren and Stimpy being the beginning of that, uh, mm-hmm. it just felt like Garfield was never going to be able to top that stuff. And here we are with Garfield. I don't, I don't know if we like, have like mature. Well, I would dare say we've matured as a country to get past the, I hope to God we don't because we have a book called snot gallons to sell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, I know it's weird what catches on, you know, with the internet. There may have been a Garfield. I think is big with memes, and I think mm-hmm. that could be a big part of why it's he's had a resurgence. You know, you know, don't ask me. <laughs> I think Gar- Garfield has recaptured something that Gen X, which I think all of us are already knew, that kind of whatever attitude, like like Gen yeah, Z had this right. moment of like, oh my gosh, everything's so important and everything's so dramatic and it's a crisis, and it's like, isn't it more relaxing to just not care? <laughs> just like give it up. Yeah, no, that makes a lot I of sense. I think that's why I gravitated towards Garfield because it was right. That's why absolutely the Gen X character, but it took Gen Z some time to get to that. Like I think, right. did they have to? Right. He, exhausted. Almost a serious note is it was it like they got beat into submission by the realities of the world because they kind <laughs> yeah. of I mean Gen Z is a fairly idealistic generation yes. where they're like yeah, think, we're going to make sure that, that everything is PC we're going to make sure that like everything is a cause we're going to make sure that and I and listen I'm as into that stuff as anybody but motherfuckers pace yourselves okay like right. pace it's yourselves like it's time. yeah because y'all hit 22 yeah. and y'all were done <laughs> like <laughs> i i don't know anybody but you know these gen zers by the time they got to 27 28 we're still like as passionate about the cause uh and they yeah. all started becoming gen z gen x pretty quickly right <laughs> yeah i don't remember ever being that idealistic i was like i knew i wanted the world to be better but like I don't know what, what the, the hell am I going to do. Yeah. Right, yeah. I'll just draw silly pictures and hope for the best. <laughs> I kind of love the idea when I opened this book that it was anthology, that there was a Tales from the Crypt guide, like a character, that there was somebody that gave it structure and presented yeah. the stories. Uh, is that something that could lend itself to an animation, to maybe a cartoon series? Maybe something that uh, maybe could even be shorts, right? Like, I don't I think oh, there's I think- cartoons that are over 12 minutes at this point. Yeah, no, I think I think it totally could, Rob. I don't know. Yeah, write some and let yeah. me know. I'll draw. I I, I've, I've, I totally have an eye on that because I think like you know, I mean, first of all, the, the style of it yeah. is so unique that the visual style uh, to throw back to Dave is you know could easily lend itself to something that people would want to watch. Yeah. But also, I think yeah, the storytelling thing, and also like I don't know if you've noticed this, but the kids kind of all live in the same cinematic universe. Like they all have elements mm-hmm. of each other world. So it could be sort of like the way South Park is. It could be like a world where you could kind of just touch off on one of them you know i think you could have like the adventures of oh, the yeah. family or something <laughs> every week or the snot goblins kids for fighting with the snot goblins for supremacy of the world like you could sort of extend one uh, oh, yeah. the next, do, in the next book i want a map 
I want a map in the next book. Oh, I want to see. Yeah. I want to. I want a, a map. Tolkien style. Yeah, like a Tolkien style map where we yeah. see where all these different characters live in the, new, oh, in the world. Or the I don't think I want to draw that. To be honest, you stay out of this, David. You stay out. Of this. All right, we're, we're we're setting your fate. Okay, you stay out. Of this. You stay out of the drawing part. David. Your your sales have been set. Okay, you're about the the wind is coming, pal. Just make sure those sales are ready to go. So, like, remember when you were a kid and you would get a textbook. And you would get a cover for it, like a piece of paper cover, and you would. Oh yeah. And it was like, yeah, you put your own like, cover on it. Yeah. yeah, it was like Kraft Bread or something, right? Like it was a right. sponsored <laughs> thing. In Texas, remember, remember that David in Texas, it was always a, like that, that. Mrs. Baird's bread. Mrs. Baird's bread, yeah. and they would come out with like a mini poster size book cover, and you yeah. would have to like take the top and bottom and fold them in, and then uh, you'd get the sides, and those would fit into the sleeves of the co- of, yep. of the book, and then you'd have your book cover. But if you were cool and you were like. F Mrs. Bear's bread. I don't want to do this yeah. shit. Yeah. You'd turn it inside out so you could draw yeah. on it. Right? Yeah, yeah that's like, what I did. I, first I would draw like... kids had a fucking Mrs. Yeah. Bear's bread logo on their books. They turned it inside out it. and drew like the little S thing on it and vandalized right. the thing. <laughs> you know what I mean? I was too dorky to even do that. That was like what the, the cool dorky kids were doing. I was dorky. I was just trying to draw Garfield. So. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely would put, I mean, I'm a, I was a good student, so I'd put the subject of the book on it, but then I would just riff. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, and yeah. I would draw all sorts of stuff on that book cover. Just an idea, guys. You do that with a map of the Snotiverse, and Snot there goblins. you go. Yeah. Well, that would be cool. I was thinking we could do Snot Goblin's bookmarks, but I, my kid just started middle school and they don't even give out textbooks anymore. Hell so. no. It's all digital, man. <laughs> it's know. all digital. Yeah, you got to have a map. It's also Texas, too. So yeah, well, you're Texas. right. We don't even know what books well, are. Yeah, <laughs> Snot Goblin's is about to get banned. <laughs> yeah. um, the good is the internet works great. <laughs> Let's let's do a map. Okay, this is where I'm now your manager for the project property. Let's do a, let's do a map. All right, let's see where all these characters land, and maybe that's friendly to yeah. Hollywood. And then, can I be present for the animated uh, recordings? I just want to hear the snot. <laughs> <laughs> oh, totally, I mean, yeah. That will be the most disgusting cartoon the, recordings. The squelching, of all time. the squelching folio, folio, just folio. some really <laughs> serious Shakespearean actor who was like, he yeah. really he was he's Idris all theater. Elba. Idris Elba, <laughs> and he's just sitting there making snot sounds in a recording booth. Can I be in on that? Can I be there for for the gross totally. out? You've got you got to take recordings. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I'd pay money to see that. You can have an exclusive. All right, uh, and and here's the spinoff: fart goblins. Oh. oh come on! What do you take us for? Some yeah, immature childish. Yeah. <laughs> all right, all right. It can get worse from there, folks. It can get worse. From I'm going to tell you. Oh, I, yeah. I'm going to tell you. I have a ten year old son, and he's like, "How about this? How about that?" And I'm like, "Uh huh." I'm taking notes because it's like he's you. Oh yeah. Thinking. You basically just landed on my on my uh, maturity level here. It, it, it only took <laughs> mine too. Your second visit, and uh, welcome to Geekscape, Robert. You found uh, the the uh, mentally. Yeah, your kid's probably more. I was already there. I was yeah. already there. We just met. <laughs> meaning of the minds i love it guys um guys i i hope the book does amazingly well i think it's fun i think i think what we're we're gonna do as your manager let's start the full cart press going into christmas let's start let's start this up okay let's start this up uh la comic con is the first week in december we can't wait until then we got to start before that all right. What about Halloween? Yeah, yeah, Halloween yeah. would be huge. Are we going to maybe do a party city party or like a maybe a <laughs> snot goblins themed snot costume? 
That's great. Was, Dave, Dave, you can make costumes, right? How hard I was is that? Like, yeah, I, was, I can. I'm learning the relationship. I'm getting, a, I'm getting a, uh, I'm getting a pretty good beat on this relationship where you get an idea, and just be like, David, you're not just a manager, you're like, David, it's all you. Therapist. Oh, it has been since the book release. Like Rob has all these uh, really good promotional ideas, but they require artwork, and so uh, which he I'm looks well, he looks well rested, but David not so much. <laughs> well. Yeah, I've been struggling with the internet down here in Texas, and just you know, it's been kind of a beating. <laughs> well, Rob, well, yeah, no, no, go ahead, go ahead. You feel what? I would say I feel very lucky to have David because, like, I do have crazy ideas, and, and every time, like, I've never worked with an illustrator before. Like, anytime I work with an illustrator, they're like, "Well, I'm busy for six months, or pay me five hundred dollars just for <laughs> yeah. writing a panel or whatever." And David's like, "Sure, I want to sell this book. Let's do that." Right, you guys went in on the proposal together. Oh yeah, yeah, for right, sure. Yeah, yeah we're, we're we're the co-creators of it. So, but but I'm saying like for promotions, like he's down to do anything. Like I say, usually the same day he'll send me something back that's like perfect. You know, so, so well, I think we're a good team. <laughs> Don't push yeah. it. <laughs> Perfectly gross. We'll yeah, yeah. No, I, I like you know. The, I mean, I have just as much stake in the book as you do, and you know, like you're you come up with really good ideas, like the. The thing you took to Comic Con with the big snot goblin, you know, st- on a stick. I didn't like, see no snot goblin on a stick. Oh, do you have it with you? Yeah. Why didn't you interrupt my panel with the snot goblin on a oh, stick? We, yeah, we, this is this, this is the snot selfie. So we, anybody wants to take a picture with this coming out of their nose, and so we get yeah. a lot of kids doing yeah, this. Yeah, lines around the, the lines around the block to do that at Comic Con. Right? Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. Well, this is where I, where I think this is what I think the book number two when it comes out next summer, you'll have it over at the Geekscape booth. I just gave it. Yeah. Impossible, I just gave you an yeah. impossible deadline, David. Um, but guys, um, I think honestly, like let's let's get out there and let's hit the the let's 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 hit the pavement with this thing. Um, are libraries maybe being open to you guys coming and doing readings, or is this just too much? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, remember back in the day, like one of the big sales, and people always tell me that about like kids' books. Here's the thing. There's a Jonathan London in kids publishing, and I got an email or I get an email about oh. once every two weeks at this point oh, yeah. <laughs> asking me to come read a Froggy book in a library. And I got one yesterday, and it's like I, I am oh. not the author of the Froggy books, even you though you should show up and like, kind yeah. of reclaim it. <laughs> I'm just going to go to Sarasota, Florida to read a library. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, I, I remember imposter. reading those. I remember reading those with my kids, and I was like, "Is that the same guy?" And I just no, just like I'm illiterate. Things. No, I don't have that level of literacy to write the froggy books. That guy's a genius. People have side hustles, you know? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> well, I wouldn't do Geekscape if that was my side hustle because those books were fairly successful, I believe. But um, okay. I think that with this, uh, let's get into those libraries and read to kids. And we, then maybe, we are, we're we're working yeah. on that. Like, um, First of all, it's in the, I know it's in the LA public library system, actually, if you look. You look in the catalog it's in there already but i am actually trying to um, i'm actually i don't know if i told david this i'm auditioning in about three weeks they have an audition week to be a presenter in the libraries and then if they accept oh, you sweet. they send you on the circuit so what i'm doing is oh man i don't want to bum bum you bum us out bum the kids out after everything we said but there's a couple of true things in there in the book there's some true science there's a little bit of history the stuff is real anytime there's like a fact thing in there it's usually kind of more or less based on something real so i kind of pull those out and so i come up with like a little sort of presentation where i'm going to talk about like um so like in one of the stories the troll versus troll story remember the cave trolls the cave has a pet bioluminous fish and he and he mentions like uh he mentions like luciferin like the chemical that makes bioluminous fish he just it's like in the context of a joke but so yeah. um, I don't think I told you this, Dave. So I got some, I ordered from a, a science company, um, uh, crushed up 
uh, fireflies <laughs> contain that. And if you, you oh, moisten really? them in the dark, they glow. So I'm going to do a science demo. Oh, that's freaking awesome. Oh, man. So, yeah. I, so I'm like going to try that's to do that cool. as libraries and for schools. So oh, dude, like, yeah. hey, it's educational. Yeah. Wait, wait, yeah, yeah. yeah. Did wait. you keep a lot of secrets in the making of this book, Rob? <laughs> so much is coming out on this podcast. This is like a real so you, Hang on, Rob, you wrote the book? <laughs> yeah. Also, Dave, I've been banging your wife. Oh, Jesus. I waited until he went for the water for that. But he, didn't <laughs> he didn't spit anything out. All right, guys. The the book can be picked up at snotgoblinsbook.com. Geekscape us. Yes. That'll lead you right to where you can purchase it. If you are thinking about that teenager in your life, they're like, hey, they're probably going to want this. Um, this seems like a pretty good idea. Um, the Ant-Man book, the Scott Lang book, will be out when it, when it comes out. We'll, we'll post September, it. September 5th. Like, I think it's September 5th? That's like in two, three weeks. It's perfect. Oh, yeah, exactly. And then, That's David, awesome. what's what's next for you after the Snot Fest? Which is what we're calling this like, era. Stop fest, yeah. Stop fest. Yeah. Well, like I say, I have a, a new a book in the works. I can I can briefly touch on it. Sure. It's, a, it's actually it's uh, the first project I've done in a long time. It's not doesn't have anything gross to do with anything gross. It's about a little this conversation's over. Yeah. <laughs> that was David and Rob. Everybody, no, go ahead. Go ahead. You talked uh, about bioluminescent bio fish. Like we're not yeah. that we're not that geeky. No, I'm kidding. Uh, we're we're yeah, actually very geeky. This, uh, this book, I it's a kids book. It's meant for younger kids. It's kind of it was kind of was brought about like the emotions I saw that people were dealing with during COVID where it was like people tried to tackle a lot of things and like just feeling like just beat down in them. Uh, and I drew this image with this little happy little forest critter and with the words, I am not okay surrounding him. And it just like, was just inspired by like, yeah, during everything that just has gone on since the, wow. you know, the past four or five years in um and an editor I worked with for a long time saw it was like, why don't we try to turn this into a book project? So I came up with a story where there's this little, fluffy happy critter that like he sings songs for everybody to make them happy and then through the course of a day everybody keeps coming to him with different problems and he has to keep singing this happy song and he ends up just having a nervous meltdown and it's trying to like it's trying to teach kids to learn to deal with your problems on your own and also it's also relatable for parents to not try to you know that you don't have to take care of everything let your kid kind of be self-sufficient and there's a lot of these kind of like sort of ideas I'm kind of trying to compress this little idea. How I have an 11 year old and a six year old. So, but and I mean, so, you obviously were thinking of them and, you know, growing Oh yeah. Up I can't not kids. anything I make now. I have to kind of put through them as a filter, you know, to see if, would they like it? Would they think it's funny? You know, was it something that them or their kids would, it's a different tell me they do, you know, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like the emotions I see, you know, like as not only as parents, but you know, you see the stuff that your kids go through. So I try to write stuff that's, you know, kids can relate to Cause I was remember what I, when I was reading, books as a kid you know if i could relate to it emotionally however that would really resonate with me and it'd be memorable so so What's with all the um, i mean it, it's are we titled, from this one called, i am not okay you've already you know, started to put it together but, uh, yeah the, um, I, i'm still workshopping different names okay. but um, um, his lawyer just yeah, his lawyer just said that's enough of that uh david you could actually hear when ultron pulled the plug on him like, you, could, you could literally that's his lawyer, it. Okay, lawyer. Like, all right david all, you got oh, snagged hard where, by the like, legal department like, they're like no, no 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 yeah there man next thing I'm you sorry, know this one's gonna want a map and uh, you know <laughs> so yeah. he's like no do not tell jonathan any more ideas he will make them <laughs> stupid and uncommercial immediately yeah, um, i'm doing a good enough job of that on my own so no don't be like that all right, uh, Geekscapist. Clearly, these two need emotional support, and you can only provide it through with your wallet. 
you're gonna <laughs> I'm kidding. You're gonna go to snotgoblinsbook.com. And again, like if you're thinking of somebody who's like, oh, I was thinking about getting them into like again, mad balls, garbage mm-hmm. pail kids, trauma movies, all the stuff teenagers are into. Even now. Like we said, like the stuff that we were into in the 80s and 90s, that stuff all seems to be coming back. back. It's a good coming out. Right now. Absolutely. Yeah. And um, so Geeks gave us uh, snotgoblinsbook.com. And of course, like we always love having Rob on the, on the program and David now too, once David gets uh, you, non-textual. Once can, <laughs> yeah, once I can plug into the 21st century or whatever. Could you imagine if you'd use that iPad? Mm-hmm. I probably have a single problem. I asked you. You said they use a laptop. So. Yeah, please use a laptop. And then it, well, I think if you would have used an iPad, you would have frozen. And then when you came back on, you would have been on fire. So I think <laughs> there's I mean, like shards of glass yeah, in your face. Own. Everything I'm, just exploded. I'm four seconds away from setting myself on fire all the time. Yeah. So. Thanks, Greg Abbott. Just one more thing <laughs> I, we can say I fuck know. you about. <laughs> yeah, assholes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. My parents live there. I have friends who live back in Texas. Oh, okay, yeah. And, well, uh, we find our own groups of sane people and try to you know keep each other alive. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This, this My dad was telling me today, he's like, this is a second straight month of like 100 degree weather. It's like some crazy streak of 100 degree days. Yeah. It's, it's it was like 106 day. today, I think. No, like, <laughs> My, child, my my birthplace has just become hell, is what it sounds like. Both yeah, pretty, and much, pretty much. Um, all right, but. guys. Congrats on the book. I'm excited to read it some more. Uh, thanks for sending me that copy, but I want to hold it in my hands. I want to. What about scratch and sniff? It's not goblins. Ooh. I'm throwing all of it at you. I was Next like, <laughs> I love it. Yeah, <laughs> I'm throwing like it all at you, uh, guys. The book is called Stock Goblins. You can pick it up anywhere you can get books. Order online stockgoblinsbook.com. If you want to follow Rob online the best place to do it is robcutner.com and if you want to follow david online the best place to do that is is degrandland.com okay degrand degrandland right yeah d-e-g-r-a-n-d-l-a-n-d all right awesome geekscape you know where to find us geekscape just search your geekscape you'll find the podcast leave a review that helps us out a lot when people are like oh some other guy liked this podcast. Maybe I'll listen to that. And it, it kind of like floats the algorithm on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and all that stuff. So it really helps us out. I appreciate y'all doing that. Um, I'll get all the comic book, uh, Comic-Con shirts up on the store uh, online. I promise. I will. Uh, we're already almost sold out of a bunch of stuff. So I think I have to reorder some stuff. And the best way to reorder it is to sell the rest of it to you guys. So I have money to reorder stuff. So uh, Geeks Game is like, we're working. We're working. Uh, and we'll see you guys next week uh, for a brand new Geekscape. And I also, I think we have a Blue Beetle episode coming up too. So hit the subscribe button, share with your friends, and you'll find out a little bit more as we explore this Geekscape together. Thanks, guys, for coming on the show. Thank you Peace. so much, man. Appreciate it. Of course. Yeah, thanks. Bye. This is awesome. You're listening to the Geekscape Network.